Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the humble. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Happy are the merciful. Happy are the pure in heart. Happy are the peacemakers. Happy are the persecuted. You are the salt and light. Be happy in Jesus. There are people that can take out their phone or get on their computer and wish someone a happy birthday or write about the latest movie that they have seen or share a about an item of clothing they would like to advertise, and that go out to a half a billion people. Guys like Cristiano Ronaldo, over 500 million followers on social media. When he wishes you a happy birthday, a half a billion people know. Amazing. There are others that have great influence on social media. Justin Bieber, the Biebs, has over 400 million people that follow him on social media. Dwayne the, The Rock Johnson, 340 plus million people. Kim Kardashian, 300 million followers. You look across the landscape and you think, these people have vast influenced by the millions of people that are following them. As we look at our life sitting in St. Charles today, it's probably safe to assume that most of us will not have a half a billion followers on our social media. Nevertheless, God has called us to be an influencer. It may be to a small number, it may be to a large number, but he not only calls us to be an influencer, he calls us to be a spiritual influencer. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to pick up in verse number 13. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13, and we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about being an influencer. Notice... As Jesus begins, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. With that, let's pray. God, thank you for your word and for the truth in it. Speak to us today in the powerful and awesome, wonderful, 
almighty name of King Jesus. Amen. As Jesus begins his first sermon, first recorded sermon that we see, going through the Sermon on the Mount, it begins with that word blessed. And so Jesus goes through seven statements that deal with our internal and our uh, internal mindset and our external manifestation of how we are to live a blessed life. And then in that final beatitude, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And then he says, and you rejoice when you are persecuted. Now, we would think that following Jesus' statement about persecution, there may be some kind of little caveat that Jesus would say, something along the lines of, hey, don't push it too hard. You might need to fall back a little bit so that you don't have to face so much of this persecution that goes on in the world around us. But instead, it's as if Jesus double downs in a challenge and he calls us in verses 13 through 16 to be an influencer in the world, a spiritual influencer, and to be salt and to be light. We're going to talk today about salt. We're going to talk next week about being light. And as we think of Jesus, he's saying, look, understand as you follow the beatitudes in your life and you may face persecution, it is not time to shut yourself down. Instead, it is a time to press forward and to be the spiritual influence that I'm calling you to be in the world that is around you. You remember Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John 17. He has just been in the upper room with his disciples and then in John chapter 17 and verse number 15, he prays over his disciples Not that God would take them out of the world, but that he would protect them from the evil one. God has placed you in the world, I think, sovereignly situated you in the world right here, right now, and he has a calling on your life and on my life to be salt and light. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, some of you as believers are going to be salt. He really points at all of us as believers and drives home this thought. You are salt. You are to be a spiritual influencer as salt in this world. So what does that look like and what do we need to think about as we open Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13 and Jesus proclaims to us that we are the salt of the earth. I think we're going to look at at three essences of being a spiritual influence today. First off, there is the word of witness. You are the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Now, we take salt for granted today. Most of you, when you walk home, or you, when you get home, you know, you have salt shakers sitting on your uh, stove top or on your table. Salt is, is very common around us today. But in the ancient days, salt wasn't so common. Matter of fact, salt was often used as a payment for people, specifically for soldiers. They would receive sometimes their payment, their salary in salt. Have you ever heard the statement that someone is not worth their salt? Where do you think that comes from? That comes from the ancient world where people were paid in salt. And actually, if you look at the etymology of the word salary, and you look at the etymology of the word salt, you're going to find a similar root. 
So we get this picture that salt was a valuable substance in Jesus' day and even used as a picture of how people would be paid. And yet he calls us to be salt. Now as salt, the salt of the earth, there are some responsibilities that we have. What are we as salt to do? That's the question. What are we as salt to do? So as we fulfill the responsibility of being salt, what does that look like? First off, when we think about the responsibility of being salt, we're to add flavor. We're to add flavor. Salt adds flavor. Now when we look and and you take a steak off of the grill right now, I, I hope that somewhere along the line, that you've either, before you've put that thing on the grill or while it's been on the grill, you've put a little seasoning on that. And whatever kind of seasoning you use on meat, typically there is some, uh, some uh, sodium chloride in it. There's some salt in there. There's some kind of seasoning that, that has that salt to it. It's great on meat and it's great on sides. But some of you who cook know, but some of you who don't cook may not. In a lot of desserts... Salt is used. You want to make a cake? Most cake recipes call for salt. Why is that? Because salt enhances the flavor of the other ingredients. Did you ever wonder why you had to put salt into something that's supposed to be sweet and you eat as a dessert? It's because it enhances the other flavors. So that even now we think about when you go and you buy a dark chocolate uh, caramel piece of candy and it's sprinkled with Sea salt, all right? It is to enhance and bring out the other flavors. Now, for us as believers, we know and recognize that life and the world around us has a lot of of opportunities to do a lot of different things. But Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And Jesus says, this is the zest and flavor of life. To know that you're here living in my will, living with peace with God, knowing that vertically you're in a right relationship with God, that's the flavor that we can add to someone's life. That though they can go through lots of experiences and have lots of happy moments, there are many things that they will delve into looking for peace and happiness that brings a momentary a flitter or flutter of, of uh, this expressive happiness and then it's gone and then they feel worse than they ever felt. But we as believers, as the salt of the earth, when we're able to throw some salt and to touch someone's life, we recognize that now they can reach their full potential and now they're experiencing their full purpose and now they can live an enhanced life because Jesus has touched them. Jesus has changed them. As believers, we're to add flavor so that in our life, we're to live a life that's to show joy and love and peace and patience so that as we walk through life, it's evident in us. Secondly, as we think about salt, And our responsibility is salt. Salt is a preservative. And so part of our call is to preserve. We recognize around us today there's a lot of spiritual and moral and political and even theological rot that is taking place. There's a lot of darkness and there's a lot of rot. And now we think about salt in that picture. What is salt used for? It is a preservative. It was something that before refrigeration, what did they do with their meat? They packed it and rubbed it with salt. 
You go buy some beef jerky today that doesn't have to go into the refrigerator. What's it full of? It's full of sodium. It's full of salt. Go buy some canned meat. Do you students know about canned meat like Vienna sausages and spam and potted meat and those kind of things? Yeah, probably not. Not really anything that you really need to know about. Uh, Some of us who are a little older, we used to eat those things. They are loaded with sodium. They are filled with salt. They're filled with salt that gives them a long shelf life. You can throw a can of Spam up on the shelf, and I think that, you know, it lasts 10 or 15 years. So the the picture... and it probably take 10 or 15 years for some people to eat it. But uh, anyway, the, the picture is those things are full of salt. Salt stands as a preservative. And our job, as we look at the culture and the moral rot that's going on around us, we're to be pushing and saying, no, God's word shows us how to live. There is a right and wrong. That God has created us in his image. That marriage is between a man and a woman. We can go on and on and say, no, as believers, this is what we're pushing and this is what we're showing and this is what we're standing for to push against the rot that is going on around us. Third thing is, is our responsibility as salt is that we're to cause thirst. Salt causes thirst. We want to give people a thirst for the things of the Lord. We want to make them thirsty for the living water. You have a salty piece of bacon or a piece of country ham in the morning. It just seems like you just need, can't get enough water before lunch. You're just thirsty the whole day. You eat a, a pizza or salty Italian or a salty seasoned piece of meat in the evening time. And it's like, man, I got to have another glass of water. I got to have water. Why? Because salt causes thirst. Actually, what salt does is it kind of throws off the fluid balance in our cells and our body is desiring more water and we have this feeling of thirst that comes with it and that as believers we're to throw a little salt out and make people thirsty for the spiritual truth of Jesus we're to make them thirsty for knowing who uh, and why we're excited about living and why we have joy in challenges and why we can show love to even people who don't like us. There's the spreading of salt. And you know, as we go into our world today, and you go to a restaurant, and you ask the waiter or waitress, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about as you're getting ready to pray for your meal? You can throw a little salt as you're at work or at school, and you just share, you know, man, I'm thankful today that God loves me. Just casting a little bit of salt. God answered a prayer in my life. You're just throwing a little salt. As you go through your day and in your neighborhood and asking someone, hey, is there anything I can help you with or is there anything I can pray for you? You're just throwing a little salt. Why are you doing that? Because we want people to have a thirst for the things of Jesus. We want them to know him. The Lord has a purpose and a plan for us to be here now. We're to live to glorify him, but we're also going forth as witnesses for him. That's why he calls us to be salt. But as we think about being salt and our responsibility as salt, we also see that there are responses 
to the salt that may that, that we may show to others. As we think about those responses, first off, there may be some appreciation. There are some people who say, man, thank you for being salt. Thank you for, for your kindness and thank you for standing up against that evil. Thank you for standing up for what is right. Thank you for standing for life. There will be some who'll come alongside and say, I'm gonna stand with you and we encourage them to stand with us. There is a sense of appreciation, but you have to understand that as Jesus himself would know, that as you go out into the world to be salt, there can also be the response of irritation. Like going out into the ocean and going underwater with your eyes open. The saltiness for some who are focused on themselves and a self-centered, sin-centered life. When they get a hit or a, a, a pinch of the salt... It may irritate them. They're living and festering in uh, the wounds of sinfulness that they refuse to turn from. And the salt comes down as an irritant upon them. And it, and it brings a sense of sting as they experience the conviction of the Lord. And yet Jesus says, look, as you go, I want you to be Salt. I've shared many times, listen, it doesn't really make any difference in this world who you displease if you please him. And it doesn't make any difference who you please if you displease him. So the Lord has called us to be salt in the world. There's a word of witness. Secondly, however, we also see there's not only a word of witness, but there is a word of warning. And the word of warning is, is that the salt can lose its flavor. It can lose its savor. Notice what he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, its savor, its taste, can it be made salty again or is it good for anything? That, that, that's the question. The, the word of warning is salt can, can lose its taste. I think there's two things implied here as we think about the warning. First off, there is a warning that Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth so that there's a warning. Don't let the salt remain in the shaker. That if you are the salt of the earth, that you just can't hold all the salt in and be a salt shaker. There is a call as believers to get the salt out of the shaker. That there is no impact and there is no influence without contact. That the salt has to come into contact with people in order to have an influence and an impact on people. So salt that stays in the shaker does no one any good. During COVID, if you ever went to eat at a restaurant, there were no salt shakers on the table anymore. They took them all off. And if you asked for salt, they'd bring you a, you know, a little piece of paper with some salt about that much in it. The challenge for the church is, is that, look, we're not to be something that's hidden back in the kitchen. 
hidden back in the darkness. Jesus is calling us here to the front lines. And what we find is after the blessing, blessing, blessing of the Beatitudes, now he's beginning the challenge of living the Christian life and sharing and showing influence with others. Salt can't stay in the shaker. But then there's another word of warning that he specifically mentions right here in this text. If the salt loses its taste, if the salt loses its flavor, if the salt becomes contaminated or polluted, then it's going to lose that taste or that flavor. That's the picture. There's still salt, but what happens is different chemicals and elements and substances now are attached to that salt where the salt doesn't taste salty anymore. And the challenge in our life today is that as we're cruising through life and we begin to miss that time with the Lord and then the things of the world start to stick to us and we get caught up in the lust of the flesh and immorality and adultery and pornography and we get caught up and that stuff starts to cling to our life and we're polluted We're no good anymore. We're not salty anymore. We get the lust of the flesh. We get the lust of the eyes and we begin to think, man, if I can just have more stuff, if I can work more hours, if I can get a bigger house and a bigger car, and all of those things can be great and wonderful, but they can also be a huge distraction and it can show a heart of materialism in us. And when the the things of the world become so precious to us that they stick to us and we no longer own our stuff or a steward of our stuff, and our stuff begins to own us, and we begin to measure other people by how much stuff they have, we completely lose our eternal perspective, and we lose our savor as salt. We're contaminated. And then he talks about, in 1 John 2, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Pride comes into our life, and we think, man, look at me. Look at the education and the job and the money and all this stuff that I have. And and that stuff begins to stick to us. And we lose our saltiness along the way. There's a warning. There's a word of warning. Is there anything sticking to your life that is hindering you from being the salt that the Lord has called you to be? For some of you, it may not be that, that the issue is an issue of salt, but it's an issue of salvation. That you have all this stuff sticking to you because you don't truly know Jesus. That, that you have all this stuff in your life because you don't have even the power to say no to that because you've not experienced the power of Jesus and salvation. If you don't know that, you need to get it settled today. But for many of you who are believers, it is easy for us for the things of the world to begin to stick and it begins to steal away the saltiness. There's a word of warning. But thirdly, there's a word of waste. And that word of waste comes as we think about what happens ultimately to the salt. Notice what he says at the end of verse number 13. That salt that is no longer salty, it's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt can be made useless. There's a word of waste here. He says when salt loses its flavor or its savor or its tastiness, it's worthless. It's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled over people's feet. Now the very thing, listen, the very thing that is to make things enhance in taste 
The very thing that's to bring and add flavor now is under the sole of someone's feet. The very thing we are supposed to stick in our mouth with salt and and adding that zest, now we're walking on it like common dirt and dust. What a horrific picture that Jesus would say for some who have lost their saltiness, you might as well just take them and throw them out onto the street where the people with their sandals are walking and the animals are passing over and it's full of dust and dirt and manure and contaminated salt. Some have taken this to believe that because the salt is cast out, some have mistakenly believed that this means that if you're not good salt, then the Lord's going to throw you out and you're not saved anymore. I want to tell you this, first off, as believers, I don't think that this is teaching in any way that a believer can lose his salvation. This is not what this is saying at all. He's not saying that, that believers are going to lose their salvation. Over just as Jesus would persist and pursue in ministry, he would say in John ten twenty seven, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life is not something we're going to have when we get to heaven. Eternal life is something we have now. I give it to them. I give it to them now. I gave it to the disciples now. And listen, if you don't have eternal life now, you're not going to have eternal life later. You got to have it now. So I don't think he's talking about that at all. Paul would deal with that in Romans 8, 38 and 39, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't think he's talking about losing our salvation. I do believe that as believers, what he is talking about is that we can lose our influence. We can lose our influence and our impact on the culture and society around us. We're not going to lose our salvation, but we will lose the influence and the impact, the godly influence that we are to have upon others. No longer are we going to be able to walk and people say, man, that's a man or a woman of God. We lose our godly influence when we get contaminated and polluted with the things of the world. And the Lord says, you know what? As far as your influence is concerned, I might as well just throw you out. You're doing nothing. Remember Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmen created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That we have a reason to be here, that God has orchestrated our life here. But too many people who call themselves believers are wasting their life. Chasing materialism, living in the lust of the flesh, and they're missing the very purpose that God has created them for. And some of you may be here today and you think, man, I don't know, somewhere along the line I've had some stuff attached to my life and I've lost that influence at work and I've lost that influence at school and I've lost that influence in my family and I've lost that influence uh, in my neighborhood. Somewhere along the line. And Jesus is making it clear. We're called to be and make a spiritual influence. But when we're contaminated, he says, you're good for nothing but to be thrown out 
Not in terms of salvation, but in terms of your purpose in doing what God wants you to do. And I don't know about you, I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and him look at me and say, dude, you're like salt that's been cast out. You spent your life miring in the dust and manure of life and you have neglected the opportunity that I've given you to be an influence for me. And that leads us well into the Lord's Supper. Because Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 would tell us this, that before we partake of the Lord's Supper, it says that let a man, let a person examine himself. There were many in the church at Corinth who, as they were living their life, they were saying, oh yeah, we're Christians, we believe Jesus, we follow Jesus, we trust Jesus, and then they're over here living like the devil. They're living for the flesh. They're living for themselves. And Paul would write to the church at Corinth and say, because some people have the attitude that don't match their actions and their words don't match their works, and because of that, God's taken some of them and they're sick. And Paul would even say, and some of them sleep. Paul would say, some of them, the Lord took their life out of discipline. They were harming the influence of the early church. So let me ask you, as we think about our influence in society and we think about our vertical relationship with the Lord, are you salt? And are you prepared? to partake in the Lord's Supper, saying, Jesus, I trust you as the only way. And I want my words and my works to match up as I take the Lord's Supper publicly and I proclaim, Christ died for my sin and rose again. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? And I want to ask you today, first, do you know that you know Jesus? Have you received him in your life? If you don't know that you know Jesus, this is, this is life's most important decision. And then secondly, I, I want to ask, because I, I, I think that many of you would call yourselves believers today. I, I want to ask you this question. Are you living as salt? Are you living for Jesus, seeking to make an influence and an impact for him? If not... this invitation time might just be for you. Maybe there's some areas of your life you just need to get right. There are some of you today that just even outside of the conversation on salt, you're just facing a trial today. There's some kind of test that you're facing There's a struggle on whether you're going to trust God or not right now. And God's calling you to trust him. And the Bible tells you that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And some of you, the joy that we have of knowing God's presence and God's love and God's spirit in your life, 
as you partake of the Lord's Supper today, need to be reminded that this is a picture of Christ's love for you. That he loves you. That as you're facing the struggles and trials of life, don't question his love. The cross has answered the question of his love. And we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper today to be reminded of his love for you. And today in a fresh way, you just may need to receive his grace and kindness and mercy and forgiveness and love over your life. If God's speaking to you, would you say, yes, whatever. Lord, whatever, whatever you call me to do, wherever, however, yes. Jesus, in your powerful name, as we do prepare to take the Lord's Supper together, and as we have this time of reflection, this time where repentance may need to be granted, burdens may need to be lifted, reconciliation may need to be experienced, Lord, would you move in your sweet and blessed name. Amen.